Welcome to Inside the 18. I'm Michael Madge, and with me is XMLS goalkeeper Patrick McLean. Hola. And we are joined once again, making his triumphant return on Inside the 18, the legend himself, MLS, former legend, John Bush. Like how I threw in that former legend right there. I was about to throw in MLS legend. legend. Current legend. Current legend. He's still a legend. Legend. Legends never die. Never a legend and a Former player. Let's just go with that. How about that? Uh, as you guys all, all know, we uh, we first met uh, Bushy over at uh, Camp Shutout uh, when we were doing the whole camp. Uh, the big, it's big show, right? The road. What's it called? The big show. The road show. The, bi- the big show. The road shows are the little guys leading up to the big show. Oh, okay. I mean, okay. Come on. You you don't upset Stan that you don't know that. Yeah, no, you're right. I don't want to upset Stan in any way whatsoever. That's, uh, that's no. not something I want to do. Um, honestly, <laughs> dude, this is so much fun. I'm so excited that we have you back on here, man, because uh, we had such a blast with you when it was myself and Omar over at Camp Shutout and watching you coach and everything like that. And I was like, I've been wanting to like, get you back on, but like, you've been so busy doing so many other things. Like, you know, you've got, obviously, you've got the glove company, you've got your coaching, you know, things going on. You know, um, yeah. now you're doing national team stuff, dude. Like, congrats on that. That's awesome. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, it's been exciting. It's been busy, but uh, yeah, trying to make a living over here and uh, doing what I can. Yeah, and I want to thank everybody else out there who, uh, who's who been supporting the show. Uh, ever since we had Bushy on, uh, the show's grown exponentially. Um, honestly, I think we're at right now over 113 or 114 reviews in the United States, over 130 worldwide. So Bushy, you went That's to college. Awesome. What was that? 200 and- 30 something i never i never graduated college okay okay I left, early, I left early remember i chased that million dollar contract oh that's right still, cha- still chasing still it chasing, by the way still chasing, still chasing it Patrick. you know about that patrick i know what's yeah. know it's <laughs> all the, about <laughs> checks in the mail yeah, yeah. <laughs> no uh maybe uh, with enough injuries hold on. You, you graduated from college though patty so you went to like an engineering school that's like a very prestigious uh university you went to you, you should know what i did i did go to a good university but i did not graduate okay yet. okay so yeah. we're all on the same boat. All three of us left early. This is uh, and it's yes. worked out really well for one of us. <laughs> Patrick at least threw in the yet. I don't even throw the yet in it. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, no, it's it's, <laughs> <fine>. it's dusted. <laughs> yeah, another couple of years. It's it's probably we'll probably remove that one. I love how people are like tuning in and they're like, oh, is this what this episode's going to be for an hour? So I'm just talking about like not going to college. Okay, yeah. just a bunch of illiterate keepers. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Honestly, guys, just keep rating, reviewing, and subscribing. Uh, we. We really appreciate the support. Um, make sure to leave your Instagram or Twitter handle in the body so we can send you your prize. Uh, shout out to Kyle Ayers. He re- recently did that. Um, so I actually know who he is now. Um, because before Bushy, we would get like these amazing reviews and it would be like, at like goalkeeper four. And I'm like, I don't know who that is. I don't know how it ever reached this person. Thank you very much for this review, but that was great. Um, so we want to do this so we can find you. And remember, again, the reason we want all these reviews sent in, guys, is because the more reviews we get, the higher up the search engine we get, which means more goalkeepers find us, which means we get to share, you know, our expertise and your stories, you know, with everybody else. Um, so what I want to do, uh, what we love to do at the beginning is, uh, is read some of these reviews. Uh, so I want to read this one right here because this is our first Bushy. This is our first review we've gotten in Spanish. And this is, uh, oh. yeah, this is from Mexico. Are you going to read it in Spanish? Absolutely. <laughs> okay. All and right, this, let's hear this, this says uh, five stars, uh, cinco estrellas. And that's uh, El Podcast para Ser Un Mejor Portero. Este podcast tiene de todo. Excelentes entrevistas, consejos técnicos y psicológicos, análisis de jugadas o escanear, escenarios que nosotros como uh, goalkeeper podríamos entrenar en un juego. 
te ayudan a mejorar en todos los aspectos, actitud, mentalidad, técnica. Siempre hay algo que aprender de este podcast. Me encanta. Gracias a este podcast, soy más consciente durante mis entrenamientos y ahora es menos complicado para mí superar mis errores y aprender de ellos para corregirlos. Um, all right, I'm going to translate that for everybody right here. And it goes, this podcast to become a better goalkeeper. This podcast has everything, excellent interviews, technical and psychological advices, breakdowns of plays or scenarios that we could go face in a game. They've helped me to get better in every aspect of the game, attitude, mentality, technique, positioning. There's always something to learn from this podcast. Love it. Thanks to this podcast, I'm more conscious during my trainings and is now less complicated for me to get over my mistakes and learn from them to correct them. Excellent work and product, the one you deliver to us. Keep it up and get better. So that's, that's from Fabricio underscore M in Mexico. So uh, I can see Bushy. Well done Bu to you, Mike. Yeah, thank well you. Done. I, I, gave it, I gave it a shot right there. That was good. That was decent, decent yeah, Pat. Was... All right. Did, they, did you ever do any Spanish classes at uh, Cal Poly? You know, I, I took some Spanish classes just because I played for Chivas USA for a couple of years. <laughs> <laughs> that was a requirement <laughs> playing for Chivas <laughs> USA. They're prerequisite there. If, they if asked Bushy if he wanted to join Chivas USA, and they said, he said, you have to be fluent, right? He's like, no, nah, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay. I know Corona. Is that count? <laughs> uh, all right. I'm going to read this. Uh, thank you, Fabricio. That's awesome. Um, I'm going to read this one. Actually, this is, uh, comes from uh, Zach Downs, who's a goalkeeper coach, director of goalkeeping for Solar uh, over in Dallas and, uh, you know, played the, played the pro game. I think he played in the USL, played overseas, all that. And he goes, I'm a coach who played professionally for six years, took every step possible as a youth player, all the way up from rec to club to DA to youth national team, college, then pro. I've always coached everywhere I played around the world. I've always loved coaching, and I'd say better at coaching than playing. I'm now fully focused on full-time coaching goalkeepers. This is my third year full-time focused on coaching GKs. I've owned my own GK Academy in Dallas, Texas, and director of goalkeeping for Solar Development Academy, who just won the national championship for boys and girls. So this is just basically Zach just like giving his resume, I think. I think it's just, uh, it's just him bragging about all his uh, uh, things So if you on. need to find Zach. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's just a way for him. looking for a goalkeeper director, or dot, dot, dot. I feel like at the, got, I feel like at the end here. of this, this, literally at the end of this review, it's just going to be like, like, and if you want to contact Zach for a professional training in any way, what's actually that? I feel no, like that would be, actually be that. <laughs> he goes, uh, I'm also an assistant coach at university, yada, yada, yada. Um, make a jump in the professional game as a pro GK coach come next season will be my first pro season as a coach. I wanted to say what an autumn post awesome podcast this is. I don't know how to an speak. Autumn podcast. It's an autumn podcast. It's in the fall. That's why we do this. I love listening to all the ideas and also lining up what I do with my goalkeepers. Love comparing what other goalkeeper coaches and goalkeepers are doing around the country. I love being a sponge and just so hungry for ideas and information. One huge thing I love and hear all the time is the good coaches quote on quote are the ones that don't hide their secrets, which I think we always talk about you know, on the show, that want to answer questions and share their trainings and ideas with others. And I think that's what's so cool about this podcast. You're able to spread so much knowledge and ideas to everyone, not just coaches, but goalkeepers and parents and just fans who inspire to be goalkeepers. A great topic, which is, would you be a better goalkeeper as you get older and you're coaching, even though you're not as athletic? Um, he finds he, and I'm not going to do the whole thing. Cause Zach, you, you gave us literally your yeah, training which, program, which is awesome. I mean, dude, honestly, of, shout out to really you. That's stuff a, in there. Honestly, for the, this was like a four page review. I mean, thank you for taking the time. 
Uh, we just, you know, we need to move on a little bit. But uh, just basically the brunt of it is, is that he feels now, and this is the question we want to get to, to Bushy too, now that he's a coach, he feels like he's actually become a better goalkeeper than he was when he was actually playing professionally. I'm sure. Um, can you guys attest to that now that you guys are both coaching? Go on, I, Yeah. You know, I, I haven't been coaching for very long. And uh, through the course of my career, I've only coached a few kids, just the ones that I've, I've really felt like investing in. Um, but I would say that it's such a mental game that if you are, are focused on that and it's only going to translate, I mean, that mental side of things is, is really the, where the sharpness comes from. And so if that's transferring over as you get older, I mean, there's a reason that goalkeepers get better as they get older is because we see these situations and we see them again and again and again, and we can kind of gap those you know, those missing pieces in our mind faster, but then the older you get, obviously the more your body breaks down and the more uh, you have to deal with issues of your speed and your fitness and your, I mean, these things become more significant issues as you get older. Yeah. Bushy, do you want to add to that? No, I think he's spot on. I think the only thing I would add is, um, you know, the, the more you, you as a goalkeeper think about why you do certain things, you know, when, when you're teaching, younger kids or, or other goalkeepers in general, the more you start to break down what you actually do. So then when you do go back into your live training, you, you know, you'll think about things, you'll try things. And, and so, it, you know, it's kind of a, a circle, you know, again, I have a lot of young goalkeepers who I make think about why they, why they're doing certain things. So when we're training, I don't give them the answers. I ask them questions about why they're doing certain things because they probably never thought about it before. You know, why do we, you know, why do we catch this way? Why do we dive this way? Why does our body shape look like this in these situations? So now it's like going to school, right? I always tease my kids and going, you know, you're going to goalkeeper school. The only, the only difference is we're going to have fun here where you don't have fun in school, you know? So, and you're going to enjoy the topics a little bit more, hopefully. So by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that NCAA is listening to this podcast right shout now. Shout out to our like, schools. Yeah, yeah. We've been doing such a great endorsement of like college soccer. The way go to school kids go to school don't, don't get us don't get us started on the ncaa uh, but i i just think it helps them to think about yeah the position more you know and then it makes them a better goalkeeper at the end of the day yeah i mean, zach i don't know if you want my take on this as well too but uh i honestly have felt i've become a much better goalkeeper as i've gotten older and and had, when i started coaching because the, the bottom line is for me is that I started recognizing mistakes that I would make in games while watching others and go, Oh my gosh, I didn't even realize that's something that's a habit that I had myself. And that's why I think why it's so important for you guys to watch game film with your coaches. Don't just, mm -hmm. don't just watch on your own, but watch with your coaches too, so that you can kind of have that guidance and you kind of be like, you can see now we can break this type of down. And that's one of the reasons why we do breakdowns on this show, you know, and we want to talk about, goals that get scored on and obviously great saves and everything like that. But we're not an Instagram channel. We're not making flashy top hand saves. You know, that Bushy's here. It's the meat and potatoes of goalkeeping. And that's meat and what, potatoes, baby. the meat and yeah. potatoes. And that's, that's what you don't see in the highlights. So that's why I think it's really good for you guys, you know, to DVR a game and watch, watch the goalkeeper. Don't watch just the ball and watch the simple things that are being done. You know, we talked about it on the podcast before you, know, you guys like Jan Oblak, Allison Becker, you know, a lot of times guys go, Oh my gosh, you know, it doesn't look like it looks so easy. These saves are just these easy saves. I said, they're not easy saves. They make them look easy because their positioning is so good. They're so efficient with their movement, all that sort of thing. So, uh, Zach, I hope that, uh, that answers that. And I think that might be a full topic that we might, might want to discuss yeah, in a future I mean, episode. It's like that analogy of the iceberg, right? It's like, you just see that, that 
10% that's sticking out of the water there. You don't see the 90% that created that 10% that you're seeing. I mean, that, that stuff takes a lot, a lot of work to achieve that level of <laughs> looks like you're not trying. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, my gosh. I mean, look at, look at Bushy. It looked like he was never trying. You know? <laughs> yeah, I don't think it looked like that. <laughs> no, no. Uh, let's just say, let's just say intensity was not something you were missing. Uh, <laughs> it was so, but the thing is, it's like, you know, kids like myself, you know, let's just say smaller statured goalkeepers, you know, we, we looked up to guys like Bushy and we would see him and be like, okay, you know, I looked up to guys like Bushy. Okay. Well, th there you go. Okay. Everybody looked up to Bushy. No, you look down on me, Patrick. That's, no, that's no, straight. No, 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 no. You used to give me a stool, say, hey, can you get to my, my eye level, please? All right. Let's, uh, let's move on to this question because this is a great one for Bushy that now that we have him here because he's going to be the expert on this. And this comes from uh, Yucca Bayar, who's in Texas. I think he's a DA kid out there in Texas and a uh, huge insider. This guy is always sending in letters and, and he's, he's really, really, really passionate about the game and the position. Um, he goes, good morning, Michael. He's so polite too. Whenever he, he contacts, I love it. Um, I have a game coming up and I was wondering if it's actually helpful to wash them before games and practices. He's referring to his gloves. I've always been scared to do it because I don't want to rip them and I don't want gloves off to buy gloves often. So just wanted to ask how often I should wash my gloves and how thank you in advance. So, Bushy, I think you're the expert on this. Uh, I don't know if I'm the expert, but I'll answer the question. Right. Um, I, I, I usually wash mine every couple of days. You know, obviously it depends on the condition, depends on, you know, weather and, and all that, what surface areas you're on. But for me, it was, it was usually every couple of days. Um, and I always had a rotation of three, four, five pairs going on at one time. Um, right. You know, so for me, I would say, you know, if, he, if he's using his training gloves for game gloves, you know, go ahead and wash them a day before or whatever. They're, they're going to be fine. You know, whether you take them in a shower with you and wash them that way, you throw them in the washing machine, you know, just let them air dry and, and they'll be fine for the games. Yeah. And I think also, you know, one thing Jakob that we want you to know is that uh, a lot of times, you know, kids freak out, you know, about things like this, like, Oh, my gloves are going to lose grip or that sort of thing. You know, uh, Bushy, you can attest to this, you know, the way the gloves are made nowadays, you know, they're, they're made to be able to, to last for a while. They're not made to, to fall apart, you know, within a couple of days. No, if your gloves are falling apart in a couple of days, then you need to come to HPG because ours don't do that. <laughs> you see I, how I allowed for that, that slip gotta in get right that there? Just got to get that in there. HPGs don't fall apart. Uh, um, so. All right, let's move on to this last question. Uh, this comes from a, a young man, a young gentleman out of the Chicago area. Uh, once again, it's the, the one and only Tony Anderson one. And Tony, mm. Tony goes uh, right. to, to Bushy. Here, here's his question. He goes, since you were a widely renowned, uber successful five foot four goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go. <laughs> what was the highest height you were ever able to get printed on a roster sheet? <laughs> that's, a, that's a very valid question. That's a very valid question. I mean, I'll open this up too, like what I, what I put on my roster sheets and stuff too. But, you know. I, go ahead. Go no, ahead. no, you, no. Right. I was going to say, for you though, it was probably the club who was making the decision on what, what height. You know, for me. Yeah, at the youth level, you know, people are like, what, how tall are you? you want to get recruited for college? I'm like, five foot 11. I am five foot 11, a hair under six foot. Because, uh, no, honestly, that's what my goalkeeper coach told me. He said, it's like, if you don't, if you don't make it look like you're just under six foot, like a lot of schools yeah. won't even take a look at you. And then you'd go to the camp and they'd be like, yeah, you're not clearly 5'11". <laughs> but then you have to ball out. Otherwise, you know, yeah. you, so you have to prove yourself. But at least you get Absolutely. into the thing. That's um, a, that's a, yeah, that's a yeah. good point. I also used I always, to do, go ahead. No, I was going to say I also used to do the, the the cleats thing. I would meet a coach, especially like a European coach. I would always yeah. meet him in my cleats. 
yeah. that subconsciously he thought of me as more like eye level, you know, because they were all like six foot four themselves. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, Bushy, you go. <laughs> so I always said I was 5'10". Now I'm just under 5'10", 5'9 and a quarter. So I make sure I get the quarter in. And I don't remember where it was or what club it was. But I remember one night opening like the, the book or whatever. And uh, my wife had brought it home and I just looked through it or whatever. And I said, I looked, I started laughing. She's like, what is it? I said, they listed me at six foot. <laughs> I said, this is re like, that's stretching it. That is like really stretching it. And I don't remember, again, I don't remember where it was, but I remember like the next day walking into the locker room and some of the boys had like circled it and put it in my locker. <laughs> you know, and I was like, yeah, I didn't do that. But yeah, so that was, the, that was, I got a six foot one year and I don't know who did it or how it happened, but it was really bad lie. <laughs> Patrick, did you ever have to, uh, to raise, raise the inches right there? I, I, mean, I never did. You know, when you, when, I, I mean, I thought about it. I thought about putting six, four instead of six, three, but I, then I just thought better of it. You know, once you're, when, when you're at, once you're at six, three, I always thought about that. I was like, once you're at six, three, like you might as well just, just say your real height. You yeah. know, it's like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You don't have, you don't have to lie when you're, you know, six, one and above. You don't lie. <laughs> You just keep it going. Uh, speaking of guys that don't need to lie, uh, the guys who just played in the MLS Cup final. Uh, so I kind of want to segue into that right now. Um, honestly, it wasn't the most exciting game uh, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, it was Seattle-Toronto, for those of you guys you know, listening overseas who might not be familiar. It's a three-to-one result. Seattle got the, the MLS Cup. Again, Brian Schmetzer, I think he's been a sounder for life. I think a player and then a coach. And that guy's literally – that guy is an Emerald City, basically. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Shout-out to Stefan Fry and Quentin Westberg in that game. Both had very good games. Uh, unfortunate result for Westberg in regards to the own goal. I mean, these things happen in games. It's just, it's just a fact of life. Um, I really want to just break down two of these saves, really, uh, for everybody out there because I thought there were some really good ones here. Um, Stefan Fry in the 36th minute, uh, Nicholas Benize gains possession at the top of the 18, plays a ball across into space. Rosario takes a touch inside near post, inside the box, and then hits a bullet low and hard with little movement towards the back post. Stefan Fry has great body shape. I, I say body positive shape because I'm woke like that. That's what I say. Uh, Saskia. <laughs> yeah, Saskia loves that one. Uh, with, uh, with power shoulder leading, full extension, wrist drop to dig the ball out and redirect. I think it's a very difficult save. Uh, Bushy, thoughts on this save? Yeah, I think it's a, a, a very good save, I think. And, and Patrick, we'll, we'll probably talk about this as well. Is you know, You're playing in Seattle. You're playing on a turf field. You're playing on a wet turf field. All right, so when that ball hits the turf, it takes off even more, you know. Um, you know, if, if we're being picky, does it get a, maybe a little bit fortunate of where it goes and how his guys are around him and they can clear that for sure. But I think probably his focus, just speculating, but probably his focus is first and foremost knowing when that ball skips, it's going to take off on him. And he's just trying to get some sort of solid hand, arm behind the ball, you know, to keep it out in front of him rather than kind of going through him off the turf, you know, as it picks up speed. Yeah. I think it's a very good save. And if you guys out there, if you watch the, the video and I say, you know, we put the show links, you know, we put the, the links of the games in the show notes and you guys got to check them out because you'll see that this ball was just slightly off the ground when it was hit. So it had kind of that direct movement where it was going to hit ground and Fry almost reads that. And because mm -hmm. of that, he's able to angle his position of his body shape in a split second to be able to make that dig type of a save. Uh, similar to like a John Bush type of save, you know. 
in the big time. Nah, no, 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 no. I would have caught it. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. I got jokes today, boys. I got jokes. So. Patty, anything you want to add to it? Yeah, you know, I just going off what uh, Bushy said. Like that's that's a lot harder to say than it looks like, and a lot harder to say than people think it is because that that's one that you see go in probably fifty percent of the time. It'll go straight through the guys. Arn, he, he, won't, he won't lock his wrist like Fry does. He'll, he'll think he can get just enough on it to, to push it around the post. But so often, especially with the, the turf and the, uh, the moisture in mind, like that goes through guys a lot. Yeah. And so you can tell that he's played on that field and is really familiar with those conditions yeah. because of what he chooses, what club he chooses yeah. in that moment. And to be solid and i i think like bush said like that his first and foremost thought is just get enough on this because that's i mean when you when you and i've played on that field it's it's and bushy bushy knows too it's fast man it's really fast that's and, a now for on westbrook side like that's a brutal stadium to play in as a as an opposing oh yeah. goalkeeper oh right yeah yeah because yeah. again i mean you know westbrook's from a grass field Right. And so now you're, you know, you're playing on a turf, you're playing on a fast turf, you know, every turf's a little bit different. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm sure they trained there the night before, maybe even two days before since it was a cup, but you know, the, again, it, it, as Patrick said, you know, Steph's been there for how many years now? So he knows every bounce of that turf, you know, and he plays it, he plays it perfectly because he's, he's familiar with it for sure. Do you think that benefited Seattle such uh, having that home field advantage of being able to play on that, not just be playing at home, but playing on that turf field. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. Well, you can say yes now since they won three <laughs> one for sure. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, um, but no, yeah. I mean, you look at it and, and like I said, both Pat and I have played there. Um, it's always a very loud atmosphere. You know, it's, it's again, a little bit of advantage with the turf uh, because they're familiar with it. It's a great atmosphere. You know, for me personally, I, I like Portland a little bit more um it, obviously it's smaller but because it's down in the little hole the volume stays in more so even though there's whatever only 20 some thousand it feels like there's a lot more because it's yeah. just so loud in 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 that stadium uh, but poor, but seattle's an awesome place to play but i just feel because it's so big it, it dissipates a little and, and disappears a little bit but i mean you can hear the crowd and, and it's an awesome place to play um you know and you could tell in my opinion, you know, from what I watched of the game, like Seattle was a little nervous at first, you know, and Toronto looked pretty good. But, you know, as you said, once that own goal goes in, own goal goes in, I think, you know, it, it, it relaxes Seattle a little bit. They get their noses ahead and then they, you know, then their, you know, their confidence gets going a little bit and, and then they kind of take it over. So let's, let's talk about, you were talking about own goals. Let's talk about the own goal that was saved by Quentin Westberg in the 72nd minute. Uh, this is when the game was not, not out of reach just yet. No. And I, I honestly, I thought this was a really great play by Quentin Westberg because basically what's happened is the, the ball's played in by Nicholas Lodero to Jordan Morris. Um, Omar Gonzalez tries to swoop in basically and intercept the ball. And literally the second he strikes that ball, I had a flashback to Trinidad. I was like, oh my gosh. That's yeah. about what's about to happen. This ball's going to loop in, and it's going to go into the goal, and everyone's going to be like, Alma Gonzalez, once <laughs> more. And he was never going to be able to, like, you know, go away from that. But he hits a ball on frame towards goal. However, likely, Westberg, quick reflex, is able to paw it away with the ball kind of like, like that, like at the last second. Uh, Bushy, did, did you feel like there was a miscommunication here? Well, again, and, and, you know, Patrick will tell you the same thing. You can't hear anything down there. Okay. You know, so, you know, the goalkeeper's probably screaming for it, you know, and, 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 but if Omar's not 
not uh, locking eyes with them, you know, you're not going to be able to hear them. And, and so if there's a call, you don't know. If, if Omar's not looking to see if the goalkeeper is coming, if he's just focused on the ball, you know, then he thinks the goalkeeper might be sitting, you know, staying in his goal. He's trying to knock it back to him. Next thing you know, you've got a situation like that just because it's so loud. I mean, I, I think he does, you know, he does what he can, right? He just gets a, a hand on it. Um, and, and uh, I mean, it's a great just kind of reaction, scramble play, if you want to call it that. And, and yeah. those, you know, those happen every now and again, you know, yeah. especially in loud stadiums like that. Patrick, you ever been in that situation before? Uh, where your defenders can't hear you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, the first one that comes to mind is at Atlanta as well. I, we were talking about this in an earlier podcast. Is like you're screaming at a guy who's maybe 10 yards away from you, and he's got no idea that you're talking to him because yeah. it's that loud. And the same thing's true in Seattle. And if you're not – and Toronto's a lot different. Toronto, you can actually hear people yeah. on the field. Yeah. Seattle, you can't. It's just like your voice just <clears> – <throat> dissipates into the rest of the, the, the low growl that is like yeah. the Seattle crowd. And uh, so it's, it's really, especially when you're in moments that look like they could be dangerous for Seattle that are dangerous against Toronto for Seattle, then the crowd's going to be going nuts. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah. the chances yeah. that you're going to be hearing anything is pretty slim yeah i would assume anytime a, a ladero to morris type of ball is played up top like that people are freaking out because they're expecting jordan morris to just slide that ball in and so sure. yeah. yeah i can see that kind of panicky situation going on with you know uh with omar right there you know um i think it's tough i mean we obviously we want to have a really good connection uh with our center backs and stuff like that do you ever sometimes bushy in your past in your career in a situation like this would you have preferred that he just didn't go for that ball and just let you come out and be one v one with that player yeah, again, I mean, it's a split-second decision, right? He probably didn't have time to see if his keeper's coming. He didn't hear him, obviously. And so all he's trying to do is play it, you know, and do what he can with it. And, and it's just one of those, I mean, you know, like I said, when, when I was playing in uh, San Jose and we'd always go to Portland, it was the same thing. And, and Jason Hernandez and I would, would have one or two of those every now and again where I'd be screaming, you know, he'd be, like Pat said, he'd be 10 yards away and couldn't hear me. And I'm not a, I'm not a quiet guy, you know, so it's <laughs> like – you know, and then afterwards you just talk about it and say, Hey, you know, I was calling for it or this, that. And it's just, sometimes you just, you can't hear. So it is what it is. As long as it doesn't go in at the end of the day, that's the most important thing. Yeah. You know, I really had to deal with those in those, you know, 1500 seat, uh, stadiums, yeah, yeah. You know, USL D three, you know, just, <laughs> they were all, Chen that, name. they were all Chen my name. <laughs> They're saying, Hey, put that four string goalkeeper in, please. Can you please do that? <laughs> Uh, no, I mean, honestly, guys, uh, for those of you guys overseas, you don't watch MLS. Honestly, it, it's a great atmosphere here in the United States. You should really check it out. Um, it's better. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So let's uh, speaking of the United States, let's move on to uh, to the U.S. Obviously, we were talking about Bushy. You know, you spent some time working with the U-20 national team goalkeepers. Um, yeah. Recently, they had the U-23s camp and you're familiar with some of these kids because mm -hmm. you know, you've kind of seen them grow up and, uh, and and people have been kind of talking about how that camp's been going. For those of you guys unfamiliar, the depth chart right now in no particular order, there's uh, Matt Freeze, there's JT Marcinkowski, there's Brady Scott. Um, possibly David Ochoa might be thrown in that mix as well too uh, based on the way he's been playing. Uh, obviously, Real Monarchs is in the fi USL final, which is pretty pretty big time. Um, I want to just talk a little bit about these guys right here. Um, I'm a little biased on JT. I'm friends with him. I, I like the dude. Um, you know, uh, Bushy, I know you have a relationship with, with him as yeah. well, too. Um, why don't you break down these goalkeepers for our fans who might not be familiar? 
Yeah, I mean, you've got, uh, you know, obviously, first and foremost, I've known JT since he was 15 uh, when I was in San Jose, and he, he'd come down and train with the first team. Um, so I'm very familiar with him. Uh, and you've got Freeze. Actually, they just played today, and I know Freeze played. Um, so it, it looks like uh, Jason, Jason likes Freeze for what he's seen. Um, uh, who's the other? Brady's there, I think, if I remember correctly. Yeah, Brady's um, there. Yeah. You know, I don't know much about him other than, you know, what I saw in the, in the last uh, World Cup. Um, I haven't worked with him yet. Um, and then there's, you know, there's a few others that we did put on a list for Jason. Um, you know, when I went with him uh, for the, the first camp, after the camp, I put a, what is it? I think I've had eight different names, um, just possibilities, uh, you know, and, and I know he brought in Choa uh, last last camp. Obviously, Choa is going to play in the USL uh, championship here this weekend. Um, so he's another one. Um, I, I think the biggest thing is going to be, for those guys, because they're all, you know, they're all pros, but they're all in different, a little bit of different points in their career. Um, I, I think it's going to be who really steps up at that time for Jason, you know, and, and, and is playing them the best, but is also playing, right? Because you need a goalkeeper. You're going to see Olympic qualifiers. You need a goalkeeper who's playing regularly. And, and so it's going to be interesting. Like I said, the, the last couple games, Freeze has played. Now, um, again, when I first started this process, I didn't know much about him, but I reached out to Phil Wedden because obviously he has him in Philadelphia and, you know, watched some video of him, talked to Phil about him and, and he's a big, strong kid, um, you know, decent with his feet. And that's obviously very important to Jason and the Federation as well. So, um, it, it'll be interesting how the battle goes as it moves forward. Um, you know, and, and there's a few other names that I'm, I'm interested to see if they get a chance at it. Um, you know, the other part and and you know you and I talked about it um through the notes and and about this conversation is the overage player might come in as a question down the road and it might not you know um we did have you know Jason and I did have that I have that conversation originally of the possibilities of that um but again that that's going to be something that Jason's got to figure out you know obviously if he's comfortable with what he has then you don't waste an overage player on a goalkeeper but you know, I know Casey did it back in the day, and and that might be a position where if you're le- if you're looking for leadership, you know, and you need that, maybe it's a you know maybe it's a Brad Gazon, maybe it's Ethan, maybe it's Zach. You, you never know, uh, you know. But again, that's a conversation for Jason and and Greg and all those guys to really, you know, get into and figure out. Yeah, you know, you're you're bringing up playing time, you know, and I was looking at that that situation, you know, obviously um all these guys right here are not in outside of Ochoa, you know, who's who's with the U20s and we talk about the fact that you've worked with him for a week out there at the U20s, you know, are are, are not playing right now. I mean, he, you know, Ochoa's still playing right now. Um he's he's still he's still yeah. match fit. You know, Freeze uh he he split, split his time between Steel and 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 Union at, at, right? Is that what happened? Yeah. Because of the injury yeah. situation. Yeah, and yeah. And at one point he was injured. So, you know, that was one of the conversations, you know, and, and that's part of it, right? All of a sudden, maybe you've got somebody in mind as number one, he gets injured. And now, you know, you know, you got JT who's going up and back from Reno to, to San Jose and, and so, you know, it's, it's going to be who's, who's in a good cycle and who's playing consistently, I think, when the important time comes around. So let's, let's talk about this in the general aspect. You know, you obviously worked with the youth national teams. I honestly, and I think I said this to you, you know, at camp this summer, as I said, I think you're such a great person to have 
working at that level with young professionals? I feel like first off, young professionals, is, there's a lot more coaching involved at young professionals than there is senior team, uh, you know, national team staff, you know, obviously. And uh, because of, you know, your experience level, you know, playing in the league, playing internationally, you know, um, basically at all different levels of the game here in the United States, you know, you really know what it takes to be a pro and become a successful pro at all the different levels here. Um, so outside of that from, you know, a lot of people, they say youth national team, they're thinking children. These aren't not children. These are, these are young professionals. And there's a very big difference yep. between the way that you work with a young professional versus a, a younger boys team, right? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, I've been fortunate. I've worked with the under 14 national team boys. I've worked with, you know, what, 16s, 19s, 23s, 20s, you know, so I've seen a little bit of a, you know, the, almost the whole gamut. Um, and it's a little different how you deal with the 14 year olds because they are kids and then how you deal with the 20 year olds and, and the 23s because they're, they're pros, you know, or at least, you know, they might be in college one way or the other. They're either pros or they're in college. So it's a little bit different. Um, and so it's fun because, you know, with the younger kids, you're, you know, you're, de you're trying to develop them. You're trying to teach them certain things. Again, when you get to the, when you get to the older groups, the 20s, 23s, they're pros and they've been in pro environments and you only see them for a short amount of time. So you're not, you're not changing too much. You're not trying to teach them too much. You know, you might have little bits and pieces, um, but it's more just about making sure they're sharp, making sure not just physically they're sharp, but their heads are in the right place as well. Um, you know, and, and they're, they're ready to go when, when, when they have the opportunity to go, um, you know, so it's, it's a little bit more of man management at that, at that, at that level and that age groups, um, you know, which for me, I, I've been very fortunate over my career that I play with the 17s, the twenties and the full team. So I, I know what that feels like, not just to represent your country, but I know, you know, what goes into those shorter camps and, and the, the goods in the spent some time in the USL as well, too. And you saw some of these younger goalkeepers working. Did you feel sometimes that it was difficult for you as a as a professional uh, to to train in the same environment as, as some of these younger guys? Or did you feel like you needed something different than they did? And so it's important for young professionals to get in these environments where they're all kind of working together. You know, honestly. Um most of the younger pros who are in those situations are are not your typical 16 17 18, 18 year olds they're not they're not what you'd expect these are kids essentially who are taking this very very seriously and who really really want to get better so in those scenarios i think your role just changes a little bit um, as an older player you, you more look towards how can I help them reach what they're trying to achieve? At least that's what it was for me. It was, as I became the older player, it was more, how can I help this guy? How can I help him be successful? Because at that point, um, you know, I, I, had, I had reached a certain stage uh, most recently with OC where it was like, I don't necessarily, because of some of the injuries and stuff that I've had, I don't necessarily see MLS being an option again for me, uh, whether or not that's the case, you know, we'll see. But uh, I don't know, dude, you got the, the acting career going on right now. I got the modeling, you know, I, I'm, I'm I think, I think I'm you might be happy doing this. Dude. I'm happy with what I'm doing. 
Um, no headers coming at you. So. True. Uh, no, no five yard blast either. Um, I, uh, I would say that my role changed a little bit in working with like Aaron Cervantes and Aaron's got a lot of promise. You know, he's a, he's a strong young keeper. And I think that just trying to help, help those guys develop and help the next wave of guys who could potentially be successful for our country as well. I think that's, that's kind of how my role uh, evolved. So let's, let's talk about that. I want to talk about the camp bushy and, and these camps you're talking about the 23s and the twenties. What kind of is the role of you at one of these camps? Because obviously these aren't your guys, like you're not with them day to day, you know, yeah. at their club, you know, um, they all come from different walks of life, different technical backgrounds, uh, different mm-hmm. experience backgrounds. Uh, so what, what, what is it? Is it individually based? Is it team based, position based? Like what, what are kind of those goals of those camps for the keepers? Uh, it depends on, on each team and it depends on where they are kind of in the cycle, right? You know, obviously being with Christ in the 23s, that was the first camp of the, of the cycle. So it was getting to know these guys, trying to figure out what we have and, and where we need to go with it all. Um, and then for me, it was getting familiar here with the the two at that time we had was Jay and Jonathan um, getting familiar with them again. I'm Jay. Um, I love Jonathan, but never trained with them. So just trying to get familiar with them as well as, you know, see what Jason wanted as far as the coaching staff. Um, each coach is a little bit different. Obviously our, for me, it was, the first priority is always the goalkeepers and, you know, getting them, you know, physically ready and, and, and mentally ready. Uh, and, and then, depending on what Jason is looking for or, you know, what the latest one was with tab with the twenties. Um, they're similar in ways, but they're also, they were also very different in ways. Um, you know, Jason had me doing a lot more in the team environment where tab, uh, you know, him and the other assistant coaches took care of the majority of that stuff. And, and I focused on the goalkeepers, which was fine by me. Um, so it gives me opportunities to learn from different coaches and different styles uh, but again, I mean, your priority is getting these goalkeepers physically and mentally ready because there's always uh, there's always going to be at least one game during those camps, you know, whether it's a friendly, whether it's, uh, you know, uh, an important competition or, or whatnot. So that that also comes into play, you know, and, and again, with the 23s, we had two games at first camp and they were both friendly. So we knew we were going to, you know, we were going to split some time between the two. Now, do you, do you ever focus on the technical aspect at all or like any technical flaws? It's really like you just don't have enough time. And honestly, now you're trying to, to redo something that somebody else is basically like, you know, trying to p- put together a car that somebody's already built already and then bringing it back to them. And then they're like being like, well, I didn't ever really wanted that engine. You know, like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's always time for that. You know, again, you're not you're dealing with some of the, the best in our country. And so, you, you know, it's not like, hey, this is how you dive and you take your power step. And you oh, dude, if you did it like camp, body, sh- camp you know, shutout like, style. Like, okay. Yeah. So you're not doing that. But, yeah, you yeah. know, again, for little things with, you know, uh, a show with the 20s, you know, just little tweaks we would we would talk about. And, and, you know, the consistency of his training day in and day out or his hand position, little things like that. You can still get in and talk about it and explain to him why you're looking for these certain things um you know again he's a pro but he's a young pro you know if, if you're you know if you're talking to john bush at 37 years old you know in an eight-day camp saying hey i want you to do this i'm you know i'm probably looking at you know, okay thanks a lot i'm 36 years old it ain't gonna change you know so it's still 
a little bit different with, with the younger pros. Um, so there is times, but again, you're not, you're not overly focused on it. You're just looking for little things that might help benefit them in the bigger picture. So both you guys right here, um, obviously both you guys, you obviously had the experience, you know, working in the USL when you were an OC and obviously you weren't the goalkeeper coach, but you were, you know, a veteran goalkeeper and you had younger guys there. You know, a couple guys, there was one, what was 20 and another guy that was 17. Is that was yeah, the yeah 21 and 17. Starting that back up, um, young, working with young professionals, any advice yeah. to goalkeeper coaches that are working with young professionals in short-term environments, either uh, like you were doing as a, you know, kind of a veteran goalkeeper or you working as a, as a former, you know, uh, pro goalkeeper, you know, who, who only has a, a my, you know, finite amount of time with them. Um, because I think a lot of goalkeeper coaches out there, they run their sessions the same way they would with their youth and they don't understand the, the differences. Mm-hmm. Um, I see this at ID camps all the time. Uh, I see this at college ID camps all the time uh, when they bring in a, a club coach uh, to to work with players um, or even professional ID camps. And, you know, they bring in college coaches and they work with them as co- like kind of like college players and stuff like that. Um, it's a different mindset and it's a different way to train them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, first of, first of all, you got to think about what level you're at and, okay. and level-wise, but also age-wise, you know. Um, but it, it, there's no cookie-cutter you know, way to train everybody, you know, there, there's a lot of similarities, you know, and if Patrick and I were to go out and train, there'd be a lot of similarities, you know, of of the way we train, but there's also going to be differences because we're different, different goalkeepers, you know? And so, you know, the way somebody trains me might not be the way, you know, Patrick's going to get trained. Um, Again, it's not right or wrong. It's just a little bit different. So when you're in those environments with different style goalkeepers, you know, which have a lot of similarities, but you, you can't make one the other, you know, it's just, it's not going to happen. Yeah. That's one of the mistakes I made when I was a younger goalkeeper coach. Um, and I would get a lot of times they would ask me to do these college ID camps to try to identify, you know, kids when I was a younger goalkeeper coach. And I'm like, Oh man, well, you know, I kind of want Patrick to play like that dude. And he's like, yeah, but Patrick's six, three, you know, two fifteen, And that dude's, you know, five, eight, you know, 155 pounds. Like he's not, going to move the same way, you know? So how can you expect the same type of types of attributes from, from the two different keepers, you know? Yeah. And those, in those short situations, I feel like it's probably better to just see what you have and how you can maybe refine on those, those things that are those qualities that are already there. Um, you know, and that, that'll determine kind of what approach you take in the long term. Um, especially for example, like an ID camp, it's like, okay, this is what I have. Now, maybe I see glimpses of what it can become with certain, you know, tweaks. And those are things that you can follow up on in the long term. But as far as these short camps go, I feel like a lot of it's just got to be maintenance, tweaking where you can, exactly what Bush said, like hand positioning, um, being careful of how much you jump in your set. Uh, In terms of what I was doing in in the USL, this past year uh, with OC and working with Aaron is first of all, I, I just said, did you ever get a chance to work with Aaron pushy Cervantes? No, I've never worked with him. Okay. No, not yet. Okay. So, so how I approached the situation in the USL and working with these uh, two younger keepers who have a lot of promise was I first said, listen, I know we're we're all three of us are on the same team. And I'm never, I'm never going to give you advice unless you want it. Like, because I'm also a goalkeeper on the same team and technically we are all competing for the same spot. 
I'm only going to give you advice if you want me to give you advice. And they were both really receptive to that. So, uh, you, you know, the things that we did talk about were just small tweaks, like Bushy was saying, like your hands, not jumping too much in your set. Like, uh, I feel like a lot of these younger keepers, they love this, to jump. This, this, what's up with the jumping thing, this man? Tendency yeah. to jump all with their, I mean, straight up manual Neuer jump. Well, this is the arm swing. It's yeah. like they, they see all the, yeah. they see all the, the champions league and they think that's, yep. that's what goalkeeping is. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, Absolutely. Absolutely. those, those little tweaks and certain ways to approach different situations. Like those, those small things are things that I would, would mention to them. And they would always come to me about, about certain scenarios and what they should do there, uh, which was cool. I, you know, I enjoyed it. And we did have a goalkeeper coach there who, uh, who worked with us. Um, but I, I appreciated the amount of faith and respect that they, they put in me. So, so let's, let's talk about the long term now and let's uh, move on to this. I think this is, I mean, I've never seen anything like this before. The San Jose Earthquakes just signed a 14-year-old goalkeeper to a homegrown contract, yep. Emi, Emi Ochoa, second youngest homegrown yep. in MLS history. Uh, Bushy, uh, was, was he there when you were there? Uh, did you know anything about I actually, Yeah, I actually worked with him. Did you really? Um, he was okay. down, yeah, yeah. He was down in uh, in Chula Vista when we were there with the the fourteen, whenever that was. I can't remember. Um, but a few months ago, okay. Um, this is the first time I worked with him, and he's a good. You know, he's tall. I think he's already taller than I am, which isn't saying much, but uh, it is what it is. Listed at um, six foot two. But, wow. Yeah. yeah, he's a big. He's a big boy. He's a yeah. big boy. Um, and he he definitely was good. I mean, he was. I had heard about him. Um, and this was the first time I worked with him. Uh, he's definitely good. Uh. You know, I was actually talking to somebody else about him this morning. It, in general, not specifically for him, in general, it scares me a little when we are signing 14-year-old kids as pros right now. It's a little scary to me, um, I, you know, but I think more importantly, there has to be a process for these kids, you know, um, and, and I don't know if there is or isn't. I can't speak on San Jose's behalf. Um, you know, but somebody like that at 14 years old or 15 year olds, like, you know, the fire sign, uh, th there has to be a plan for these kids because they're not going to go play in the USL or they're not going to be starters in the USL because there's plenty of good quality starters in the, in the USL. So what's the plan for these kids, you know, when they're 14, 15, 16, you know, now if you're 18, 17, 18, 19, yeah, you can play in the USL, but there's still a big difference, you know, so that, that's my concern in, in signing these kids is what's, what's the plan? What's the process to get them? ultimately, hopefully into being your first team goalkeeper coach, you know, down the road or sorry, goalkeeper down the road. I mean, I'm, I'm assuming Almeida obviously, you know, rated him, you know, quite well and, and thought that he was going to fit into that, the system that he's trying to build there in, in San Jose. And obviously, you know, it sounds like he wants to stay there long-term and, and not go back to Liga Mekis. I know that there was rumors of him going back to Liga Mekis, but it sounds like he's really committed to this, this system that he wants to play the man marking system in San Jose and, and he wants to stay there. Um, I agree. I think 14 is still, I still think that's a youth player. I don't think that's a professional. I don't think uh, from a, from a, a mental standpoint, you're there and, and you guys understand because you guys have been yeah. in a professional environment, you're putting a child in a, in a man's world where they may not be ready, not from the soccer standpoint. I'm talking about the other things that they might, maybe not the yeah. best to basically, you know, put them, put them in that, in those environments yet, because they're not going to be able to comprehend things in a way and, and be able to separate things. You know, mm -hmm. you guys know in a professional environment it gets competitive guys say things, maybe they don't mean it. Maybe they're passionate in the moment mm -hmm. and stuff like that. 
what happens when a 28 year old gets frustrated with a 14 year old boy and they come out at 14, you know, it's, it's just, it's a scary thing. Yeah. See, I, I take a totally different approach. I think, I think you're going to be seeing a lot more of this. Uh-huh. And I think, and I, and I, I think of things strictly in a business standpoint, um, because for example, like Damien, we talked about this uh, off air. Uh, Damien was Chicago Fire, was with Chicago Fire's Academy for a long time. Basically, you know, walked on and signed with Fulham, correct? Yeah. So Chicago gets nothing from developing Damien. Like they don't mm-hmm. get, there's, there's no financial yeah. <laughs> in, incentive for them. Uh, so what I think you're going to see a lot more and probably with a lot of keepers, especially in situations like this is you're going to see more young signings. And I wouldn't be surprised if you see some rule changes from the MLS to accommodate this, because I think they're starting to realize the fact that they're losing out on money, like significant amounts of money for these young players, because everywhere else in the world, 14 year pro, I mean, for the most part. So once it's a business, it's a business. You're right, Patrick. And so if, if you're approaching it like a business, and I want to develop this 14-year-old into being my starting goalkeeper, I'm going to provide a monetary incentive to a USL team to make sure that this player plays if we send him to that. So bonus money if maybe this Maybe plays it's a percentage something. of a sale. Maybe I mean, that's, that's what I'm looking at. I mean, and that's strictly from a business standpoint. So yeah. San Jose, they have, they do have a reserve team. They have Reno, right? It's Reno. They've got Reno. Yeah. But if you think about, if you, again, if you think about the San Jose situation presently, uh, you know, the things will change. It's the silly season of the, of the MLS right now, mm-hmm. but you know, they just sent the one um, kid who I think actually is at Stanford, but he's the homegrown. They just sent him to inner Miami. Uh, but you still have, you still, you still have JT, you still got Barraza, and you still got there's, – there's another one over there. Uh, the, you know, three guys who I think at some point all played for Reno this season. And, and so now you're adding a, a fourth guy to that mix. Now, again, one of them's probably going to be gone by the start of next season. Um, but, again, I, I look at it and go, okay – and I agree with Patrick. It's a business now. Um, but we still have to try to develop these kids, you know, and, and so what's the path to develop them? You know, not, where are we going to high school here? Path? We're talking about middle school here. Well, like that's the well, thing, that's but, what, but maybe, but it, maybe you just, you sign them and then they just continue to home? play okay. with your Academy. I, like, I would assume he's just going to, yeah, I would assume he's just going to play with the Academy just like JT did when we were in San Jose. I mean, we didn't have the setup we do now, but he would come and train with the first team in the summer. Uh, and, and, but he would play, you know, for his club team every, every weekend. And, right. and so as long as that's the plan for somebody that young, you know, um, or when they get six, you know, 17, 18, 19, and they, and they can handle the USL, as long as there's a plan, you know, to, to get them games so they can continue to develop, you know, that's, you know, and, and I mean, you, you saw it in uh, Chicago with Steph, right. With, with Steph over there and, and trying to get him games. Now I think he got a handful with, Lansing towards the end of this season, but that's just another example of a young goalkeeper in his what early twenties, I think now. Yeah. Uh, you know, how how do we get these kids games so we so the organizations can evaluate them properly, right? You know, and develop them properly. I guess is the best way to put it. See, that's the thing. Because like, and and then I want to move on to the topic. How are you guys doing on time? By the way, are we guys, you guys good? Continue good. on. You guys. Good? I'm. Yeah, I'm good. Okay. Yep. Okay. Cool. Um. 
as I was, it's like not like a field player where you can kind of bounce around from team to team type of a thing. You know, you kind of want a goalkeeper to, to be in a certain environment and stay in that environment for a good amount of time to get reps with that team so that they become comfortable and you start learning how that goalkeeper plays within a team dynamic, you know? Um, let's say if you got a, a number six type of a thing, you know, you can kind of have that kid, you know, be on a match day roster and, and kind of get that experience of training around and, and stuff like that. But like, it's beneficial for a 14 year old to go fly to Reno for the weekend and hang out there, you know, and then come back for, for the week. I mean, that's, it's a lot to, to put on a kid. And then, and then I kind of, you know, we'll put a, you know, button on this one and move on. But, but devil's advocate again here. I think, I think <laughs> Throw it Patrick out, wanted Patrick. to Come sign on. at 10 years old. Patrick <laughs> wants to sign Emily's home growth at eight, eight years old. So I agree. There's, there's a certain level of comfort that you want to achieve with every goalkeeper in every situation, but then there's a level of comfort that becomes complacency and that's not what you mm -hmm. want. So yeah. if you can find and ride that balance of the two of them, that's that's going to be your your ideal operating zone, right? It, yeah. And if you if you're sending away a kid, I mean, maybe you're just doing it, you know, every once in a while, so they start mm -hmm. to get used to this lifestyle that they're going to be thrust into eventually. Yeah. And it, it gives them a little bit more of a uh, a weaning <laughs> weaning yeah. into it, as opposed to here you go, kid, you're going to be gone every weekend from now on. So. It, yeah. You know, I mean, I, I guess you can even just say, you know, and it's such a weird thing the way it goes in the United States because we still have the college system. And I know it's obviously changing a lot, you know, in, in the new age, but you came straight from the college system. And yeah. do you feel the college system prepared you for the professional game at all? Um, I was fortunate because I think that my college system did. Okay. Because I had a coach who on a, on a professional level, on a coaching level, did a lot of the right things um and he prepared me for just like the, the overall technical aspects the the being a professional type player aspects like these were all things that he harped on constantly and when i got to the professional ranks i actually felt like i was ahead of a lot of guys who had maybe been professional for a couple of years because there was so much emphasis on uh, the technical and tactical aspects of the game and, and knowing who needs to be where and what system, like we would spend hours and hours and hours going over this stuff, sitting in a classroom and we all freaking hated it at the time. Right. And everybody would just constantly complain. Well, I'm but, sure 19 year olds want to just be in a classroom, just going over like patterns of play. Like we, like we, spent, we spent all day in class and now we have to sit in this class for another three hours and, Talk to our sports, our sports psychologist, but to be fair, like he prepared us better than I think a lot of people were prepared. And so I have maybe a different experience than a lot of, you know, a lot of the players who are going through the college system have. But I also think that a lot of systems in college are kind of taking that same approach because they know they're preparing professionals. Interesting. Speaking of preparing professionals and talking about being very detailed, I, I want to move on into the U S Canada game right here. Um, I know a lot of you guys, you know, who, you know, turned into the podcast, you know, this is what you guys wanted to hear about. You wanted to hear about our take on the nation's league, CONCACAF nation's league. I know all of you guys 
outside of the United States, this is the number one focus for you guys this weekend. The United States versus Canada. This is what everyone's talking about around the world. But this is a big game for us, okay? It's a rematch, okay? Did not go well the first game. So we're very, very focused on this game here in the United States. Um, Canada. Zach Steffen did play for Fortuna Dusseldorf this past weekend, uh, despite some knee tendinitis. Uh, both him, U.S. Soccer, and Fortuna, and probably Man City, I'm assuming, you know, had some say in regards to saying, you know what, you should probably just stay in Germany uh, and let that heal out, take some time off uh, so that you can come back nice and strong, you know, for Fortuna. Uh, so our def chart is Brad Guzan, Sean Johnson, Matt Turner in no particular order. Uh, boys, let's, uh, let's start this off. Who's starting first off tomorrow? Hmm. Bushy? Patrick? Well, it looks like Bushy. I'll let Patrick start with this one. <laughs> you know, honestly, I think it's going to be Johnson. Uh, and I, I think, and the reason I think that is because I think he's still young enough where we see potential for him to maybe be the number one. Um, I mean, over Zach Seth, I don't know. I don't know. I think, I think he just fits maybe what our needs are in that moment the best. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's tough because it's like, okay, yeah, we can play Guzan, but Guzan's a little bit he's a little bit older now and maybe we should be given some of these younger guys a shot to see what they can actually do in a situation like this, man, honestly, I younger guys, I, what is I, I Sean, Sean's what, 29, 30? He's, he's maybe 30. I okay. Think. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Bushy. I mean, you're familiar with all these guys. I, I want to throw in the wild card though. Matt Turner. I've been very impressed with him in MLS this year. Um, the fact that he's even in this camp, the fact that he made it through the pre-camp and is still on the yeah. roster now. Um, you could say he made the roster because Zach dropped out, uh, yeah. but but still, uh, still a big deal. Do you think there's any chance of Matt getting some, maybe against Cuba? Maybe against Cuba, maybe, but I, I don't I don't think so. I think it, being his first camp, I think they're breaking him in, you know, and, and so. You know, plus, I mean, you know, when you're in your first camp, and I remember this, you're just happy to be there. You pick up cones, you'll do whatever you need to do because you're just, you know, you're like, hey, I'm with the full national team. This is awesome. You just so, see Bushy just sprinting um, down the field, just grabbing the cones in the road. Uh, hey, Bruce, whatever you need, Bruce, I got you. No problem, buddy. So um, I remember those days. Now, I was never going to play because it was Casey Keller's. So it was a big difference. But uh, um, no, I think I, I don't, I, I mean, I hate to say, it, but. I've been very pleased with watching Matt this season. I would be a little surprised if he if he's if they play him in in these two games. Um, my gut, I'm going to go a little bit against Patrick on this one. I think Brad's going to play against Canada, and then I think Sean will probably play Cuba. I, I, I'm, what am I basing that on? I don't know. I'm basing it on the fact that it's kind of almost a must-win game, and I think I think Greg's just going to go with veteran leadership there and a guy who's been in these situations before. I mean, look, we can fair. we can all we can all talk about this, and this is the thing that that pundits bring up for for over and over when we talk about the recent unpleasantness in Trinidad and Tobago, whether Tim was healthy enough to be playing in that game. Should Brad have gotten that start? Um, I don't think that U.S. Soccer wants that black eye again if we play Sean or Matt in that game and it doesn't go well. And everyone points to look at Greg. He's look at look at the formations he's putting out there. Not only is he making it just basically everyone's playing this possession pattern that we don't want to be playing and we need to get goals and yada yada yada. But he goes with a guy who's never been in that situation before. Uh, at least with Brad, at least people are like, oh well, he went with the, you know the proven veteran that sort of thing. So that'd be my guess. And he had a good season yeah, in gonna, Atlanta. 
Well, look, I mean, I'm going to be Patrick here for a second. I'm going to play yeah. devil's advocate. Right. You know, <laughs> you're looking at Sean. I mean, you know, Sean has plenty of experience. Sean's been in big games. He plays for, you know, NYFC, who plays obviously out of the back. They play very similar to the way Greg wants to play. And, and Brad does the same in Atlanta. So I don't know. Again, I don't know if you if you really lose much from one to the other. Yeah. I, I just, you know, so you're flipping a coin. Again, I, I don't know why, but I just think that, he's going to play Brad. I think, I mean, do at the end of the day, do I think you're right? I think you're right. I would say there's, there's this, there's this thing with Sean where it's like, everybody just is just waiting for him to really grab that mm-hmm. opportunity in the way that we've all yes. seen him be able to. Yeah. And you know, we're, he's such a good guy that everybody's kind of like, cheering for him to really just grab that moment and so part of me just wants to see him play because we've all seen the sort of season that he had with nycfc Mm -hmm. and and how effective he was for them and so that's that's me that's what i personally want to see like is that actually what's probably going to happen they're probably going to go with brad because at the end of the day i can protect my job if i'm if i'm burhalter the best if i play brad guzan in this scenario but I also want to make this conversation interesting because I think Turner's got a certain X factor that that goes w- beyond like his his physical stats and his he's he plays with this sort of raw emotion and tenacity that you, if you were to give that to either one of the the two guys that are on this list, like yeah. that's that's a that's I mean, a player that's playing in the, I mean, the you guys know better than, than I do because, you know, you guys have been playing, you know, more recently against these types of guys than, than me. Um, but from what it's not like to me, to Matt Turner's, he's very, his positioning is very good. Uh, he gets after it. He does it. He recovers on second balls and gets back into position. Um, and he's a student of the game. Um, I, I don't see a lot of sloppy mistakes from him. Um, mm. I think obviously it did benefit him that Brad Friedel was the, the coach for a while there in New England and and took that chance and went, you know, everybody said Cody Cropper was going to be the number one there. And and Matt Turner went in there and basically turned heads and said, and Brad's like, yeah, that's that's my guy. That's yeah. the guy. So, you know, for a lack of a better term, he went from kind of a, an, an also ran to, to the number one. So this has been a, a quick uh, jump. So, you know, I love seeing this progression. Maybe he gets a, another chance in the January camp or something like that. You know, um, but as you know, Bushy. You also got yeah. you Go also to think he, he did go through some, through some adversity, right? He, he got yeah. benched. And, and so he came out of nowhere where there was no pressure, became the number one. Then all of a sudden he lost it a little bit. And, and so to see him kind of dig in and persevere again and, and kind of fight through it is good to see. And, and you know, it means he's got a bit of a mentality to him. Um, now, again, it's a, it, it's a short, short time frame. Why is it two years now? Or, you know, he's been there. So we, I think we got to give him more time. I think there's, I think you're going to see him in plenty more camps. Um, you know, going on back to what Patrick had said too is, you know, there's the here and now, but then there's also hopefully the bigger picture we're talking about at some point, What you know, you know, between Steph, between uh, Sean, between Matt, between who else can we add in there, you know, whether it's Freeze or JT or Achoa or whatever, we've got to, we've got to also have a bigger pool of goalkeepers to start looking at for that next generation, you know, even though Guzan's there right now, but, you know, it, who knows for how much longer. So at some point we need to, you know, kind of start bleeding these kids in and, and get a bigger, 
bigger pool of goalkeepers to start looking at, I think. Well, I want to I want to switch sides to Canada right now because some of you guys might not be as familiar with Canada, and a lot of people they've been making jokes about the fact the United States lost to Canada and stuff. And I don't think they should. People, no, I think people <laughs> should understand that it's not it's not your it's not your your mother's Canada, if you want to say. You know, it's uh, it, it's it's improved. I mean, the Canadian Federation has improved. There's a lot of good players out there. You know, obviously, uh, the, the level's getting very good and. Uh, Alfonso Davies is now a left back apparently for Bayern Munich. I don't know how that happened, but, but he is, it's a, uh, it's crazy. Um, I want to talk about Canada because uh, obviously there's a uh, Milan Boyan, you know, from Red Star Brogrudge, who's probably the number one right now. He's big in the air. He's got a big frame. His hands aren't the strongest in my opinion, but I really want to talk about uh, Maxime uh, Kripal. Kripal. How do you pronounce it? Is it Kripal? Kripal? I don't know. Sure. Yeah. yeah sure. Sounds good. Um, <laughs> You guys, you know, you, you, you guys know him because he was in the league and, and he's still in the league, obviously, and he had a great season for Vancouver. Um, I think he's got the potential to be the number one for Canada at some point. You know, I think he's got quick feet. He's got very good in run of play, great hands. I can only honestly think is that size is the only thing kind of, and, and I, obviously it's something that, that's a chip on my shoulder, and obviously, you know, Bushy understands this as well too. Uh, is the reason why he's not the, the number one for Canada because I think he's the better of the three keepers. To is, be he, with is he you. about six one? Is that what he is? He's about five eleven. Really? Yeah. I'm sorry. He's six one. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Why not? Let's make him here's six that, one. Here's that. Here's that lion thing yeah, coming back that, again. There's <laughs> that roster. There's no. that that roster. No, he's he's. I think he's he's under six. He's he's incredibly talented and incredibly athletic. Um, so from from just those two aspects and watching him play a little bit this year in Vancouver and just seeing, uh, you know, how, how truly talented he really is, I could see that being the case there. And, I mean, you're, you said the starters got a pretty significant size, pretty significant frame, and maybe that's, you know, maybe that's what their coaching staff is seeing right now. Yeah. But obviously Vancouver, you know, traded to get him to make him the starter and there was some question earlier in the season whether that would be McMath or that would be Cripo and I mean he's done really he's done really well on a a really poor team (laughs) yeah that's a nice that's a nice way to put it's a nice way to put it it sucks because it really sucks because they were bad this year yeah and and honestly he could be playing Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. for a championship caliber team because he's that good but like I just I hate I hate seeing like really great goalkeepers on really terrible teams and like as much as as much as you get to see them actually perform and like make these crazy saves and scramble all the time it's like you just having played for Chivas USA it's like you just you feel flashbacks you feel for it because you're like you're like man he is just crushing it and they're still down four <laughs> nil. I mean, look, I think we've all been we've I all been on teams years. like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I remember yeah. Bushy had some of those years where, like, every week it was MLS Save of the Week, and then it's like, where are they in the standings right now? And uh, uh, you were doing what yeah. you could. That, man. I've had a few of those years. Yeah, I know that feeling. <laughs> uh, I mean, anything you want to add about Kripo? Um, obviously, you've seen a lot of him, so. Yeah. No. Again, I think you know I, I'm a big I'm a big component of of the process. Right. And, and again, I think it's, you know, he's, he's made, he's made that next step this past year. Now it's about, again, getting into the national team camp, getting familiar with like, like past that, what the coach is looking for, what they want, you know, and, and not necessarily just kind of throwing them in the deep end right away. Like let's bleed them in 
And then, you know, who knows, maybe they, maybe they do see him as the, as a future guy, you know, but again, you've got, you've also got a starter who's got a pretty darn good resume there as well. So it's not like, uh, it's not like you're struggling there as your number one. By the way, have you guys ever, I was watching highlights of Milan Boyan in, in the Red Star Braw grade. Um, I can't imagine playing like in that, in that league. I mean, it, it literally, it feels like they're like, it's like, I'm not, I'm not joking. It felt like there's like military type marches and stuff like that going on in the background. And it's, it's just a very intense atmosphere is all I'm just going to say. And, and, and it just, it just sounds like some sort of revolution is taking place. Like that's what it kind of feel <laughs> kind of feels like. And with the flares and everything like that, I'm like, my gosh, man, this is, this is crazy. You, you didn't have, you didn't have that in your pro environment? No, I didn't have that in my program. You know, right. when you're at the SoCal Seahorses, it's just not, it's just not the same thing going on. Yeah. <laughs> OC yeah. Blues environment. The, sea, have it, have the, the seahorses didn't have flares. Seahorses did not have flares, and so and OC Blues had uh, had had. We're not going to go. Not gonna go. <laughs> uh, yeah, having played for a bunch of uh, Serbians, I I totally understand. <laughs> um, all right, guys, we're we're running really long right now. Uh, do we want to touch this USL Championship game real quick before we wrap up, or what are your thoughts? Yeah. All right, okay. Um, hey, Real Monarchs. What do you want? Real Monarchs versus Louisville City, USL final this weekend. Uh, honestly, I thought Phoenix Rising was going to be here. Um, it was kind of an LAFC's type scenario where they were just dominant in the regular season. They finally got beat out, and, uh, and Real you know, had, a, had a great run. By the way, shout out to Real Monarchs because it's very difficult as an MLS2 team to make it all the way to the championship you know, with all the back and forth between the teams and all that sort of stuff and you know, playing 11-year-olds and that sort of thing. It's, it's not, not the easiest thing. You know? Louisville City, again, is in the USL final, which is just unreal what they do. It's a, Hackworth is the coach there, right? It's Hack, John Hackworth? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah this is his, you know, what? First full year, you know, and he's done, he's done really well. He's an gr- absolutely great coach, you know, yeah. and, and so hats off to him. I, I honestly thought Pittsburgh was going to um, get through the East and, and, you know, with Bob Lilly, I played for him. I know what he's about and, and he's a business guy come playoff time. I mean, everywhere he's been, he's won. So I was a little, I was a little surprised Louisville went to Pittsburgh and, and knocked him off, uh, but they did and credit the hack, um, you know, and then hack comes up here to Indy and, and knocks off Indy 11. So, uh, it's going to be an exciting game. Uh, you know, I, it'll be interesting to watch and see what happens. That's for sure. I mean, honestly, I'm not going to lie. And, and I'm a little biased here because we've had him on the show and we've talked to him a lot, you know, at MLS homegrown and all that sort of stuff. But David Ochoa, I think he's kind of the X factor. Cause like he could come up with that phenomenal world-class save mm-hmm. for, for real monarchs. Um, nothing against Chris Hubbard whatsoever for Louisville city. Uh, who's a great goalkeeper, you know, played at Notre Dame, all that sort of stuff is a, a local guy, but, um, I think David. I think the reason that David Ochoa has always been in the conversation with the national team is because he's got that he's got that little bit extra that you just can't teach, and 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 you never know. I mean, yeah, he could come up with an, an error here or there. Maybe he's te- not technically the most sound goalkeeper in the world, although it's improved a lot. You know, testaments to working with John Bush for that one week. Uh, I think that was really what it did for him. <laughs> that was that one week or there. Uh, no, every everybody you know, Todd Offer, every everybody there. You know, um, they've done a good job with him, but. Uh, it's hard. It's hard when you have a goalkeeper like that uh, to to hold a team against. I, I honestly think uh, Louisville's probably going to pull out the game, but I could I could see Ochoa having a, a save that kind of uh, keep keeps Real in the game. Yeah. You know, so. Uh, all right. Well, I think everyone's exhausted. We've only been doing two hours of of content right here. Uh, <laughs> uh, guys, uh, remember contact at inside the eighteen media dot com if you have a guest suggestion or a topic suggestion that you want to have. Uh, 
Bushy, if anybody out there, um, one of the great things about people like John Bush, you know, give back to the game so much, despite how much the game is given back to them. Um, very accessible. Bushy, where's the best place for people to reach out to you? Uh, you can hit us up at, or me up at Twitter or Instagram at HP, HPG underscore GK. HPG underscore GK. Us at contact at Inside the 18 Media or at Goalkeeper Podcast, except for Twitter at Goalkeeper Pod, which again is a, a Tide product that we're going to introduce based on the patent that Patrick's got in the, in the works right there. Uh, and then Patrick's got his own personal Instagram, Patrick McLean 24. Yep, yep. I got it this time. All right, guys, that's all the time on Inside the 18, and we are out. Later. Thanks, John. Yeah. Yeah.